Welcome to episode 154 of The Space In Between. I am your host, Phoebe Leona, and we took a little break over the summer. We were on a little hiatus, reinventing, restructuring some things over at Nomad. Uh, But I wanted to come back. I wanted to land here with you for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to just reintroduce a bit of what we're doing here at Nomad and introduce you to one of our embodied leaders from the Embodied Leadership Summit that we hosted last spring. Uh, We did this last spring. We had over 30 amazing embodied leaders speak and I was interviewing them. I had the pleasure of interviewing them. You can actually go back to episodes 151 and 152 where I interviewed a couple of our nomad guides. Um, But I wanted to start to share some of these interviews with you because they were just too good to hold back in that summit. I wanted to bring them out into the world and let them reach you if you were unable to join us. So I'll be leaking some of those out over the next bit of time here in time and space. And so today, what we're going to do is sit with Stephanie James. She's one of our embodied leaders. She is one of my soul sisters. I'm so, so excited to share her with you. Uh, I feel like this conversation is like a big hug. (laughs) You'll just feel it right away. There's just so much joy, so much laughter. And her whole mission is helping you ignite the spark within yourself. And reminding you that your healing matters. So sit back, relax, get to know a little bit about Stephanie and listen to our conversation, get the vibe of what we're what we're all about, what we're now co-creating in terms of igniting our sparks because we are co-hosting a retreat in Sayulita Mexico this coming February, February 18th through the 23rd in 2024. And I already know it is going to be magic, my friends. It's a woman's retreat where it's an opportunity for all of us to sit in circle, to be seen, heard, felt, witnessed in our healing. There's going to be a lot of joy, a lot of laughter, a lot of deep diving into the movement, experiencing your body, a deep dive into some amazing transformational practices that Stephanie's bringing with her psychotherapy background and her transformational coaching. It's just going to be amazing. And we're almost halfway to being sold out by the time I'm recording this now. So if you love the vibe between Stephanie and me and you feel something's lighting up inside of you and you want a little bit more support, I'm going to say come join us and I'll share a little bit more about how you can do that at the end of this interview. Okay, so for now, lean back, relax, and here is Stephanie James. I'm so happy to have you here, Stacy. Uh, Stacy, where am I talking about? <laughs> to start over. Take two. <laughs> Stephanie James. No, and it was so funny. I was just thinking, I'm about to interview another Stephanie after I talked to you. And I was like, it's the Stephanie day. And this is probably going to end up being in the conversation. But I have a girl in my session that is Stacy, and I call her Stephanie. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> so I don't know what's happening in my brain. <laughs> Stephanie's and Stacey's. So anyways, Stephanie James, I am so happy to have you here. <sighs> Thank you for being here. And, you know, I cannot remember how I found you um, specifically, but when I landed on your website and specifically that there was a clip of your movie that I definitely want to learn more of your backstory and share that and your why, especially your why. Um, but I just, I told you personal, that personal connection, but I just said, I need to have this person in my life in so many ways. And I definitely want to have your voice being heard here. So first of all, thank you for that. And I have some little seeds that I love to plant for us, but I would first love to just start with who you are, however you want to interpret that and what you're offering in this world right now. Well, first of all, I just, I feel so honored to be here and to be with you and felt absolutely that same heart resonance when you reached out to me and I was just like, 
Oh my gosh, during our, our first Zoom call, it was just amazing. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be a part of this. And so when you're asking, you know, what I'm, what I'm doing in the world right now, what's, what's important to me, I, I guess I'd have to start with, it's been about 17 years ago now where I got really some clarity, you know, this really clear download around, you know, my purpose is truly to bring as much love and healing to the world as possible. And so I've tried to do that through all the mediums I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been a psychotherapist and been in the mental health field and personal growth field for over 30 years. And so to get that calling, it's been a beautiful progression of going from the radio show, which I think I shared with you was mm-hmm. this serendipitous moment of being in my office and thinking, and this is about almost six years ago now, thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I love being a guest on a radio show. And how do I get back into radio? And less than three minutes later, there was a knock on my door and a gentleman coming in and said, I work for the local radio station and and just wondered if you've ever thought of having your own show. And, you know, I just about came out of the chair. I was so excited. And that began this huge, you know, the last over five years now of really being able to serve in a bigger capacity. Um, I've written two books since then. Um, I have a film and I'm doing, you know, a lot of public speaking. And so it's really, you know, it's, it's morphed. That message is really morphed in some ways around not just me putting that love and healing into the world, but how can others really find that inner love, that self-love within themselves. You know, my brand is The Spark. And so, you know, I, I move to The Spark, which is truly, to me, it's our essence. And that spark actually is a flame within us that can never be doused. You know, it's what we were born with. And so I feel like part of my work is all of us, you know, we have situations and circumstances that might feel like it covers that up. And so our work is to excavate that spark and that flame because then that becomes our gift to the world. So, you know, in my film, you'll, you'll see on the film poster, you know, the three words, your period healing period matters, period. And, and really that's my message because it's each one of us heal and start to do that beautiful excavation inside of us. That's the gift. That's, you know, where we become the pebble in the pond, mm-hmm. you know, so those concentric circles of healing radiate out from us to others. And I really believe that that's how we're going to raise consciousness even further and help transform the world. So, yeah, when you just said your period healing period matters, I just got chills down my body. Like, and I always receive that when truth comes in. Uh, and I'm so grateful that you you started to talk about the film, and I definitely want to explore that with you. But I'm curious to know, because you also alluded to this on your bio, that something happened, and it sounded like what you were saying 17 years ago, you said in your, I won't say now, what the age you said, um, <laughs> it was like 17, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so... What, what transformed? And I also, I also remember your story of like having this really deep connection to your inner spark as a child. And even through most of your teenage years and something shifted, and then it sounds like something shifted again in your like early adulthood to kind of reignite that spark. So would you mind just sharing a little bit of that journey? No, I'm happy to, because I think it's so essential because a lot of times Phoebe, as you know, like we'll see people that are thought leaders or people that are out there, you know, doing change in the world. We think, oh, they've got it all together or they had a really easy life. And, you know, I, I tell my clients, I tell my, my coaching clients, you know, it's like nobody gets out of childhood unscathed. None of us get out of this life unscathed. And, and I think that we need that, that kind of universal truth. You know, we're all in this together. And so, for me, you know, I did have that for 13 years. I had that golden childhood mm-hmm. where we did Sunday dinners at my grandma's farm. You know, I had lots of cousins, aunts and uncles around all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those kiddos who just felt so loved and supported by both my both my parents. They never fought in front of us. Um, so I just kind of had this 
idyllic growing up. And I was one of these little girls that was such a daddy's girl. I was so in love with my dad that I would follow him around at you too. <laughs> yeah. I would follow him around everywhere. So I always say, you know, if, if he was out, you know, cutting the lawn, I was there helping to, you know, bag up the clippings and even so much that if he was working on a project on the workbench, he would just put nails in a board for me. So I could sit mm-hmm. and hammer them just to be near him. And I always love the memory of about being six years old and I would sit on his counter in his bathroom while he would shave and he'd put the shaving cream on my face too. And I would oh. use this little plastic toothbrush holder. Oh my you know, gosh. Shave my face too. <laughs> and you know, I share all this because I think it's really essential because this really beautiful childhood in, in one evening was completely broken, mm-hmm. you know, and it was irreversibly, it was, it was shattered. Mm-hmm. And when I was 13 and my brother was 10, we woke up to the sound of screeching tires going out of the driveway. Oh. And we looked out of our second story window to see my mom pulling down the driveway and my father jumping on the hood of the car and beating oh, on the hood, you know, trying to get her out of the car. And we're just like, what is going on? Yeah. And what had happened is unbeknownst to, to any of us, dad waited till he went, you know, till we all went to sleep to tell my mother that he was in love with another woman. Wow. After 18 years of marriage and leaving her and he'd been having an affair, you know, for the last year. And so my family was just ripped apart. My mother, you know, at the time, and I always have to clarify this because she literally is one of my very best friends now, but at the time, you know, after 18 years and she loved her family and she loved her life, she, she was really emotionally unstable. Yeah. And so it was really natural for me to move out with my father. You know, I was a daddy's girl. Yeah. And unfortunately, Phoebe, what happened is in a very short time, I had a new stepmother. And from that moment on, I was not allowed to speak to my father alone. I wasn't allowed to be with him alone. And all the way up until his passing, I was not allowed to speak to him alone on the phone. Oh, wow. And so it only compounded at 16 when I went to stay with my mom for a couple of weeks and my parents decided to leave. They said, we're going to move to Austin, you know, in a matter of two weeks, made this big decision and said, you know, are you coming with us? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I was about to be a junior in high school. And you know how important yeah. are then? And I said, no, I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. And this is all important because this is what happened when you talk about, you know, it, it was like, mm-hmm. At that point, my father stopped speaking to me for a year. Okay. And so the message in me, Phoebe, was, oh my gosh, I must be unlovable Yeah. for, for him to turn away from me and to have this huge disconnect from this anchor in my life where I felt so seen and heard and valued. Yeah. And so I would say, you know, the next 15 years of my life, I spent just really dealing with self-loathing. And even though, I mean, I've always been, I think I've had that baseline of happiness. I mean, they were really tough times and I was always trying to earn love. You know, I I had this, you know, kind of prescription inside of me, like, okay, if I just achieve enough, you know, if I, you know, I'll go to grad school and I'll, you know, I can do this. And if I have the right relationship and if I look good enough, I can earn his love and I can feel that that self-acceptance again. And it wasn't until, so the the pivotal moment was in my early Mm thirties and I went to a healing school uh, for healers like myself um, in San Francisco. And it was this beautiful, like how to be a conduit to even just bring more healing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I walk in and Dr. Jaffe, who was our presenter, as I walk in, shakes my hand. And if you've seen the film, you, you know a little bit about this story um, because he shakes my hand. And it was one of those moments where he held my hand. It felt like too long, like so long <laughs> so that I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy's <laughs> looking into my soul. Yeah. And, and so interestingly, as he's there on stage, about halfway through his, his talk, he looks into the audience and he says, hey, you in the blue coat, I have a message for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking around and I look down and I go, ah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
So he says, you know, what, what I'm getting, what you need to hear is, and I can't hear him. Yeah. And this goes on like three times where he's repeating this message to me. And I literally cannot hear what he's saying. And people start laughing. And the last time that he says it, he goes to say it, all the air conditioning, all the air conditioning units in the whole place come on (laughs) and nobody can hear him. So people are like in hysterics and he's like, my dear, come up here, (laughs) (laughs) come up here on stage. And I go, you know, sit on these steps at the bottom of the stage. And he says, my dear, what is so hard for you to hear Mm -hmm. is stop trying. Mm -hmm. Stop trying. You've been trying so hard. He said to be perfect for your father. And now you're trying to do it for your husband. Stop trying. And this is a man who didn't know me. And that message, it was what it ignited within me, Phoebe, was this moment of like, oh my God, like this big aha of I've been trying to get love and I've had all these external programs for happiness. Mm-hmm. And the reality is this is an inside job mm-hmm. and I have to start loving me. So, and the truth was, you know, this was. 25 years ago now. And, you know, and it's like, wow, that, that was really the start of how do we cultivate, first of all, but truly befriending ourselves. And then how do we grow into a loving relationship? You know, for me, very connected to the divine, but how do we see ourselves through those eyes Mm -hmm. so that we can let our true purpose come out? And so that's really the story. I mean, that's really what happened and, and the transformational process I went through myself to be right where I am right now. Mm. Oh, thank you for sharing that. You know, I had heard bits and pieces through your film and, you know, reading your bio and you and I connected personally, but to hear it in its completion, I mean, I mean, there is so much more to that, <laughs> but um I resonate deeply with a lot of that. And it's interesting because when I was watching, I had horrible internet that day. We had this horrible windstorm. And so I literally could not hear part of that story. And I received that message once it finally was like getting frustrated with the internet. And I was like, ah. And when you were telling the story and finally it came through and it was that you couldn't hear it. And I also have had a very similar experience where I would not receive compliments. And I was like, wait, what did you say? Like, I physically couldn't receive it. Right. And that was really the message was that you were not, you were not able to receive it. And finally, this beautiful person woke you up to that knowing that's so powerful. Um, And the other thing, when you were speaking, I was really feeling into you and, and kind of being on this trajectory. I don't know if you had this straw and maybe you could share if you did, um, of that wanting the acceptance of dad, right. In the external world, if that sort of put you on this path of leadership. And I, I kind of see that for a lot of people, right. They didn't get the attention that they, felt that they needed as from their parents. And so they go on this mission to be in this leadership role, right? Because then they get a lot of attention and they might have really good intentions too from their heart, but there's also that sort of ego part of it. Do you mind speaking into that if that resonates? Yeah. I mean, I I can only speak to it in that my driver, I, I wouldn't have known that it had to do with wanting acceptance, or for me, it has never, it has not been an ego thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's more been. It was interesting. I have to share this with you really quickly because yeah. it was only twelve years ago that I got clarity yeah. on what was my driver. Mm-hmm. You know, and and part of it is being the the oldest child in my family mm-hmm. and the oldest cousin on one side. And so I was always kind of that hub anyway, you know, I always felt like, and I put myself through grad school as a single mom, always very driven. And it wasn't until I took a course on understanding the reticular activating system, which is the part of our brain that, that focuses on certain things. You know, it's, it's the part of our brain that if you got a new car and you're like, I'm the only one that has this car, it's so great. It's, it's a part of our brain that notices things. So pretty soon mm-hmm. you see that car everywhere, you know, and I always use the example when my daughter was pregnant, she was like, mom, 
everybody's pregnant. Well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're not. And, and because she was experiencing that, that's what she was seeing. That's what her lens was focused on. Yeah. So in a nutshell, what was interesting about this course is they said, you know, sometimes you have things that look really powerful mm-hmm. and you have, you know, things about you that there might be a wound underneath what's driving that. Yeah. And so when I was able to look at that, because what, what the purpose was, is how can we change what we focus on, right? That we have the power to actually change what that part of our brain automatically focuses on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, oh my gosh, when I dug down a little bit, I was like, all this drivenness comes from a wound. It comes from that divorce that my parents went through at 13. And my thought, you know, in those years of like, there's nobody here for me. Yeah. I've got to do it you know? And so what's, what's great is the outcome actually of that course is she had us do this 30 day exercise where we wrote evidence to the belief that we wanted to instill within us. And she's like, make it big so you can see it show up. Okay. And mine was, I'm completely loved and supported by the universe. Now I won't go into the story because I want to make sure that we're covering all these topics, but I am telling you, I was blown out of the water as I would write evidence to that. Okay. And so I was able to shift it. So for me, when I realized what the driver was, I was able to let it go. Mm. And even my, my father passed away this last December and I actually hadn't spoken to him in about six years. Wow. And when he passed and I felt totally at peace with where we were totally at peace And I realized through that grief journey during those times, uh, he was in hospice for a few weeks. And then when he passed away, I was like, oh my gosh, I still have some of that that drives me into leadership Mm -hmm. that feels like I got to do the next thing. I got to prove something. And so really moving again into that place of surrender. And as I talked about in the film, um, I keep coming to this place where when I surrender that and let go and relax, I'm telling you leadership opportunity after leadership opportunity comes in, you know? So I think that's an essential element for me is surrendering to whatever the higher calling is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I interestingly, I, I love the events I do. I love what I get to do. I get great satisfaction. I mean, to be able to witness people healing on a daily basis, like in my office or online, it's the biggest joy. And um, I, I think the ego I have is probably more the small me, yeah. which, it, which is the, oh, I'm not enough mm-hmm. and not the like ego-driven leadership, like, oh, look at me. Right. <laughs> you know? so, yeah. so if I need to tweak the ego, that's the piece, the small me that I keep working on. Yeah, I know. There's so many facets of that, that little ego, big ego. So, oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing that. And I love how you brought the science into that specifically of the the perception, because as you were speaking and I just kept hearing, you know, this idea, and you probably know of this, your karma is your dharma. Like all of our wounds, our lessons that we come into this world with are really what we make our purpose to be. And so I love that you brought this idea in. Um, Can you just repeat it? What part of the brain is it? So it's a reticular reticular activating system. Reticular activating system. Okay. Yeah. And I would, I would add to that really quickly that, you know, it's, it's so helpful when I'm working with my clients, when I talk about that, we have this natural negativity bias in our brain, right? So it's always focusing on what's the next saber tooth tiger. Cause our our brains are really set up to help us survive, not necessarily thrive. So it's really training them. How do we focus on what we want to see manifesting in our lives? You know, so it's like negative experience Velcro in the brain. You only have to touch a hot stove once to know, okay, I'm going to file that. I don't have to do it again. But positive things are two fried eggs on a Teflon pan. Mm-hmm. So if we want them to stick, we have to marinate on them. Yeah. You know, we have to bring them to mind and hold them. I was, I had a guest on my uh, show just, just a few months ago, and that's what we were talking about. Her research said you have to hold it for 18 seconds okay. for, it to, for it to register. And I was always like, just hold it for 30 seconds to a minute. 
Yeah. You know, remembering maybe what was the best part of your day before you went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And as you marinate on that, you're getting that to stick. And you're also getting that reticular activating system to notice it. Yeah. So you're more likely to notice more of that the next day. Yeah. I love this because, you know, from my teaching, it's really about the nervous system specifically of, you know, when you're, cause it's always looking for that fight or flight reasons to fight or flight, which is very intertwined with what you're sharing and the, the research that was, oh, actually it's from, um, do you remember, did you ever watch the Ted talk or read her book, Jill uh, Taylor? Um, it was about, she was a neuroscientist and she experienced her own uh, uh, stroke. Oh yes. My stroke of insight. Yeah. My stroke of insight. Right. Yes, the name yes. was, the yeah. Same. The name didn't register, but yeah. Yeah. And so she talks about similar to what you were saying, but when you feel emotionally triggered, right, you have the, the experience yeah. of anger right? That, that creates anger in your body and that makes you want to fight, right? Then there are chemicals that are being released in the body to, for you to possibly fight. But she said, you know, what you do is it's actually what she was saying for, in that case is 90 seconds to sit with it. And then after it, right, the brain starts to loop and says, I'm still angry. I'm still angry. So I love that this is very much intertwined with that because I've been sitting with my own self, like, how do we get to repattern the nervous system? Cause we have, we are very much, like you said, wired for, um, negativity, right. To keep us safe. And I love this exercise and I'm definitely going to do it myself writing down for, what did you say? 30 days, 30 days, even though the research now, you know, they're like, Oh, you could do it for 21 days. You know, when I have a while, (laughs) when I have Bruce Lipton on my show, you know, who I consider an expert in this, you know, he said 30 days and I'm like, I'm doing it 30 days. And so he was talking about rewriting our beliefs as well. Yeah. And so absolutely. And you write the exact same belief, whatever that is. And then you write the evidence that shows up that supports that belief every day. Yeah, it's it's so powerful. And and Phoebe, I really resonate with you too about, you know, as you're talking about the woman who did my stroke of insight, because I think that's where we get, you know, dysregulated is when we, if we're worried about the future and we're playing the what if game, mm-hmm. it's not happening now, but we're having that physiological response, right? We're having the adrenaline and the cortisol go through us. So it's as if it's happening now. And the same thing, if we feel guilty or we're ruminating about the past, it's not happening now, but we're getting that emotional and chemical release. And so the gift truly is bringing ourselves into this present moment. You know, the point of power is in the present moment. And that's where we can come right here, breathe into ourselves. And the beautiful thing is whatever we hold up to our mind, it thinks that's what's happening now. That's why we get the emotional hit and the physiological response when we're worrying about the future or ruminating about the past. So bringing up that really wonderful moment out of your day, even if it was just like, there's days where it's like, it was the most beautiful sky. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be some huge thing. It's like, oh my gosh, that moment I was snuggled up with my puppy. You know, that was, that was it. And yeah, I love it. I mean, definitely marinate on that you know, a couple minutes, you could set an alarm. Yeah. It feels like it's like an up level to like a gratitude practice because it's really like very clearly with that intention of changing, not just I'm grateful for these parts of my life, but I'm grateful for this evidence that I'm reprogramming my way in a lot of ways. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not to change the subject completely, but I really want to have a conversation around your film and awesome. can you tell people, you know, what it is and, and why, cause I have questions, but I think they sure. should probably know what it is. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, so I I've been so thrilled, um, since June 24th, um, it's been on the more you channel on Plex network. So it was really so awesome to be able to, again, to share it with a larger audience and it's still playing there right now. Um, the film is called When Sparks Ignite. And so the, the theme of it is really what we've been talking about. You know, you never know the challenges or difficulties we face 
Mm-hmm. That then become the match point that ignites something within us that become our gift to the world. Mm-hmm. And that film really was the result of a download after a meditation several years ago. And I, and, and you have to know, I have to say this at the time I had 67 cents in my savings account. Okay. And what was brought through you know, I had just gotten out of a marriage. I just was in my own home. I mean, all the things, the life things that happened. Well, I guess that this is more than, than three years ago. This is probably almost five years ago now. But when this came through, what happened was, you know, I was like, I know some of the most brilliant minds and serving hearts on the planet. Mm-hmm. And what was really put on my heart was to get these people together And instead of how we have these presenters that come, you know, these thought leaders that they come in and they do a 45 minute presentation and they're off the stage, Mm -hmm. nobody talks to each other. There's nothing there. Instead, we were together for almost three days ahead of time Mm -hmm. before we did a big event. And we, I did individual interviews. The second day we sat around um, this round table and we called it lights of the round table. Jacob Lieberman, who is one of the guests um, and the wonderful Jacob Lieberman, who's in the movie, um, that was he and his wife's idea. Like how awesome to have thought leaders around the table discussing Mm -hmm. these, you know, these things. So the idea was bringing us all together. And so for those days, we ate together, we danced together, you know, we, um, we meditated, we made music, we just had fun. I mean, it was just this beautiful time. And so there was this really gorgeous alchemy that was created in us, all these sparks that were lit up within us and just deep truth telling. I mean, a lot of these folks, you know, they're, they're very polished and people only see them on stage. So Mm -hmm. the film allows you to be a fly on the wall and really get into some of their interior and their own Mm -hmm. difficulties and challenges they faced. And then how they took the long view or how they found, you know, their sense of purpose Mm -hmm. really what was love to them? Not even romantic love, but what is love? And from there, then we went on and did this live, you know, spark summit in front of like 150 people. And it was just beautiful. So you see that throughout the film, these sparks just along with, you know, Debbie, who you'll see in the film, who you saw, who went from Coming out of a 43 abused, 43 years of abusive, truly physical abusive relationship to where she was thriving and just alive. And the thing that um, I I really wish we would put this as an add on to the very end of the film. She went on then, but what the film doesn't state is she went on then to create um, this kaleidoscope strong blog that helps other women get out of abusive relationships. Beautiful. So, you know, so that's it. That's what we're all here to do. I truly believe that. And that is why, you know, that, that big message on the film poster is your period healing period matters, period. Yeah. That's it. Cause we never know the sparks we're going to ignite in one another. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, what I really, really loved about that experience that I got to watch was that you held that space, not just, um, like you said, I love that idea of them being able to come because they don't usually like when you have those kinds of events, they're in, they're out, they may or may not stop, stay for another session or, you know, support somebody else or learn from somebody else. I think that we get to a certain point when you're in that place. And I don't necessarily know what it is. Maybe you're an introvert, so you don't want to do that, you know, energetically wise, or maybe it's, you know, a little bit of that sort of protective ego. I'm not sure. That's not really the conversation, but really about how you held this beautiful space for them to connect. And I just felt like they all felt so seen in a way that maybe they don't get seen on a stage, right? Because when we're on, when we're a leader and we're somebody like on a stage there, it's all, you're being put on a pedestal in a lot of ways. And maybe you are like your story, you shared a lot of your story. It sounded like in your talk, and you're being vulnerable, but it's in a way that like people are almost looking at their story through you, right? As opposed to really seeing you 
in a, in a sense, like you're there as the a conduit. But what I really felt were these three days was that you were all on the same level, literally on the at the table, really being vulnerable with the stories. And it felt like they probably hadn't really been seen in that way for a long time. And I've been really playing with this idea of like how leadership is lonely. It can be lonely sometimes when you feel like you're supposed to be. And that's what I'm hoping this, these conversations are doing is kind of giving the space for various leaders to feel seen and heard and felt. So thank you for being that spark, um, for holding that space for them and for yourself. Thank you, Phoebe. You know, I, I truly feel that it's an essential piece moving forward that we as leaders start supporting one another in some really deep ways. You know, I, I did another event of the exact same nature, but it was only for women. Just this last June, I had 20 women, six international thought leaders, three days up at Estes Park and a phenomenal film crew yeah. uh, with Anna Dara and Film Nest came in. And so, and that's going to be for an eight part series yeah. named after my book, um, Becoming Fierce. And then the yeah. entire, that that's a season, Becoming Fierce is a season and it'll, it'll continue. Um, and then it's ignited is, is that the actual series. So you know, again, we had those deep conversations. We did the same thing, the six of us sitting around a table for part of the film and then the individual interviews. But I think the essence of what makes this so beautiful is those friendships have continued. Mm-hmm. All the people that were in the original When Sparks Ignite films, we call ourselves the Sparks. You know, we're, we're all in context. I'm getting married in July and most of them will be there. Oh, so, you know, it's, and, you know, a girlfriend of mine, uh, Lisa Champion, Champion, excuse me. Um, she and I have been talking about doing these groups of eight. If you remember Lynn McTaggart's book, The Power of Eight, mm-hmm. um, that there's really power in eight. And and the thought, and this is really Lisa's heading this. I love this. Is let's come together in groups of eight as leaders, where mm-hmm. we are coming together and supporting one another, like we do so much in the world. Mm-hmm. And we need a place that's safe, exactly like you were saying, Phoebe, where we can come together and we can say, you know, I'm feeling vulnerable today. Yeah. Or I'm I'm struggling with my energy. Or, you know, I'm I'm noticing this about me. And, you know, and just to be held, like you said. Yeah. So I do think as as we're moving forward, that that's going to be an essential piece of leadership is like, how do we also meet other leaders mm-hmm. in this, you know, we could call it a sphere or a circle mm-hmm. where we are held and supported. Mm-hmm. And we have that sense of like, I'm not in this alone, mm-hmm. you know, and together, together is like I said, you know, together we illuminate the world. Yes. Together we do this. So it's not just one person's job to quote unquote, save the world. Yeah. We all have something to contribute to that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm seeing like the little lights, like they're kind of flickering and then they're getting a little stronger as they get closer and closer together that they just get brighter and brighter as they're together. I love it. Um, I love that. I love that. So how do you, how do you center yourself? You know, it sounds like you gave us a lot of beautiful nuggets so far, but when you are not having those, you know, fully aligned days, <laughs> what's some of yeah. your practice look like? Yeah. For me, you know, when I get up first thing in the morning um, and it's, I always laugh about this because sometimes I literally wake up and I'm in the middle of it. So it's like, so ingrained in who I am. It's like, it's like unconscious um, because before I get out of bed, I put one hand on my heart and one hand on my gut. Yeah. And I just surrender. You know, I kind of look for like, what am I holding on to? What am I clinging to? Mm-hmm. And then just, so what do I need to let go of? And so that's the morning practice for me, just connecting with the divine being, and it is in gratitude and it's in surrender. And then, you know, the things that I, when I have my daily routine cooking, which mm-hmm. it is right now, you know, we all fall off that wagon once in a while. And for me that those kind of things, so like waking up and exercising, 
and then doing my morning meditation. Those are the things that like bring me back to center. They bring me back to alignment. And I, I feel so blessed because I've got such a great, I call it, you know, my soul tribe. I have an amazing group of friends. I have a beautiful family, an amazing fiance, you know? So I feel like if, if I do that routine and let's say for whatever reason, chaos ensues in the world, um, the way I come back to grounding is connecting with my support group, you know, okay. connecting with a support person, usually my fiance. And then, and then maybe I go and do a sit again. You know, maybe I do those, you know, even if it's 10 minutes, it's breathing, it's bringing our bodies, you know, for me too, if, if I get stressed, let's say at work, like you have talked about so beautifully during this thing, you know, it's like, how do we bring ourselves back into regulation mm-hmm. if that stress or anxiety is, is peaking? So really through breath work, breath work has been such a beautiful part of my life. And I'm, you know, I feel like I practice it during the day because I'm also a, a trauma specialist. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with people that sometimes come in and they're having a panic attack as they're sitting there. Mm-hmm. And because we have mirror neurons, our bodies will start responding yeah. and we start breathing in alignment. So it's, you know, really being conscious of that and bringing that breath back into the body, getting back behind our own eyes, which then of course helps the client do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those would be the things for me that, that bring me back. I mean, for me, it truly is it's a spiritual thing for me. I mean, that's, that's my biggest connection and that's what I continue to cultivate and build that muscle. Um, that can be what I return to when my fiance is out of town and my parents are busy and my girlfriends are off with their family. Um, again, that sense of not feeling alone and being able to just connect and feel held. Yeah. Mm, Thank you for that. I, it, what it just kept the word that just kept coming through when you were speaking was integrate. Like it just feels so integrated. It's not this isolated event. Yes. You're waking up, but you're already waking up in the practice, which is so beautiful, but you're also so aware as you're moving through your day and just checking when you're, it feels like when you were speaking, like just as you're going off your center, it's like, ah, oh, okay, let's go breathe for a minute. And that's really, you know, I've taught yoga for over 20 years and over and over again, it's been, it's not about the mat. Like the mat is just this little playground for you to go out and do it. Right. It's all about that integration into your life too. Uh, so, and that's what it feels like. You're just fully embodying that. And I love that you brought in the piece of being with your clients and the panic attack, because I would definitely wanted to touch in on that too, of when you're dealing with other people's emotional landscapes that are, that could potentially pull you off center and you being in that, you know, leadership role in that space, you know, you're holding that space for them and for you to recognize that for yourself and to slow down and breathe. And I'm sure what happens is they now start to mirror you, right? And then they can come back into their center over time. Yeah. And you know, because I do EMDR and then there's a new advanced, it's called the flash technique, which really uses bilateral stimulation. And that can sound like a fancy word. Literally, you can have bilateral stimulation just by doing this. Mm-hmm. Tapping. Tapping. Right? Yeah. And as we tap, what it starts to do is it enacts the parasympathetic nervous system. Yes. So again, I mean, they're little bitty things. And I do think, I mean, so the practice, I think for all of us is how do we bring ourselves? How do we reel ourselves into the present moment? Because yeah. that's when those skills, that's when those tools are available to us. Yeah. And so as we cultivate, right, especially as leaders, because we can be faced with so many different challenges in one day. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes even more essential. I can't spend my time worrying about, you know, I, I have an event coming up in Tulum in this women's group that's coming up. If I spend my day just super worried about it, that's not going to work. No, I'm not going to be successful. Instead, if I go, Oh, I need to attend to that. Okay. What can I do? And, and what can I do in this 24 hours? I think some of those little tools become essential. Yes. 
I love that you brought in the, I love that because, you know, I'm a, I love somatic practices. So anything where we are re-identifying our body in the present experience is so anchoring for us. And what you also, that also you were speaking a lot about was breathing, right? So those two are just such great anchors into the present moment. So one of my last questions that I love to ask for you, and I already feel it, like I already know how you embody it, but how does Stephanie, like, how does she feel safe and inclusive in spaces? Like, what is it that you desire to feel in a welcoming, warm space? What does that feel like and look like? Well, I want to make sure that I have your question right. So when I'm going into a space or if I'm creating the space. Well, first, just for you personally to receive it. And then, then we'll talk about how you want to create it. Yeah. You know, I have to say like, Sometimes I used to call it, I stopped calling it this a few years ago. I used to say, I'm so much in the present that it's a blessing and a curse. I've stopped saying it's a curse. Okay. Um, So that's gone. So it really is a blessing. But so for me, I feel like I receive the most being in the present moment because I am truly then witness to Mm -hmm. the other person's energy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I have several clients, you know, female clients that will ask for a hug before they leave a session and and just those moments i i the, that to me you know i mean like you physical touch is so important and when someone's worked through a huge trauma to just acknowledge like your health you know um and of course i receive so much back from that space so for me i mean it is i'm not just like cliche oh the present moment's such a blessing like it truly is where I feel fed, mm-hmm. you know, I just feel like you and I being here right now, there's nothing else in the world that's happening or going on or needing to be tended to. So your beautiful energy, you know, and your joy is like such a gift to me. Mm-hmm. That's what really feeds me. Mm. Well, your, your presence is a joy to me as well. And I'm sure people who are also feeling that too, who are listening. And so how do you create that for your, for your people that you're holding space for? What does that look like? So I think one of the essential things is, um, and I teach this to my couples, is Mm -hmm. open-hearted listening. Mm. So when I create that space, you know, when I've led retreats, there's, I don't have, and and the same is true if I'm with a client, I'm not in my head. Mm -hmm. Part of the way I think I create that is I drop into my heart. And we've said several times today, you know, the thing about being a conduit that's it. You know, I remember back in the day, Marianne Williamson had a CD. This is like 20 years ago. That was (laughs) (laughs) meditations for a miraculous life. And one of the beautiful things I remember is, and and they were like prayers for all different kinds of, you know, things. And one of them, the morning one would always say, you know, the, to the divine, you know, so let my ears hear your voice. Let my eyes see what you'd want me to see. You know, see. Let me speak the words you would have me say. Let me do the things you would have me do. And so I feel like as we are those conduits, we really do create and hold that space for others to show up exactly as they are. You know, I, I feel like that's one of the big things too, is just saying people don't have to be anything other than what is up for them in that moment, whether they're your lover, your friend, an acquaintance, or a person on the street. So if we can let go of that, we're actually holding that space as we're moving through the world. It's not just in our groups. Yeah. Um, And so I, I think that's a practice that I try to embody and again, cultivate that muscle. So I'm bringing that more and more and when we're in encounters like this, really holding that space of it's, it's gratitude that we get to have this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Michael Singer uh, in, in his um, living untethered talks about that. It's taken a billion years to get to this moment, right? Everything <laughs> had to align for you and I to be on this call. And it's so beautiful and amazing. He said, if you realize that you would be in awe all the time, right? Right. So I love that. So that's, that's the space, Phoebe, that I, that I try to cultivate and hold 
and bring to the world. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you definitely do. I this is my second time I've got I've had to a chance to sit with you and I definitely feel that. So thank you for sir just being such a spark in this world and holding that space for other people. And is there like anywhere else you want to go that we haven't really explored or reaffirm as we start to wrap things up? You know, there's not. I mean, I I feel like you've done such a beautiful job of interviewing and holding this. And, you know, truthfully, if if I could, you know, um, have anything to share, it would be for people to realize, like, we are on this journey, this, you know, this journey called life that is never ending. You know, we don't ever arrive. And so to be gentle and kind with yourself and knowing no matter what your starting point is at this moment, we do, we have the capacity to grow and change and heal. Mm. And it is such a noble venture to allow yourself to be courageous enough to go on that healing journey because each one of us are golden threads in this tapestry of humanity. You know, we, we are the change we want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I love that. Oh, thank you so much, Stephanie. I, I'm just so grateful. However, those billions of years aligned for us to be here right now. I'm so grateful that we have each other in our lives because I definitely think that this is a, a relationship that will continue to grow and expand. So thank you for being such that spark in my life. And I'm sure all of the lives that you touch, and it's just such a pleasure to be able to share time with you. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Phoebe. You're so beautiful in every way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoyed our time with Stephanie. Oh my gosh. I sure did. I absolutely love that woman. And if you want to spend a bit more time with Stephanie and me, again, we would love to have you attend our Igniting Your Spark Women's Retreat that is coming up February 18th through the 23rd, 2024. We do have a couple more spots available as I record this now. So act fast. You can find the link in our show notes or travel on over to thenomadcollective.org in the upcoming retreats. It will take you there to sign up. Uh, Yeah, I think that, I think it's your time. I think it's a sign for you to remember that your healing matters and it is time for you to ignite your spark. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would greatly appreciate for you to leave a review, subscribe, share with a friend, and help us spread the word. Thank you so much again for being here. Have a beautiful day.